Welcome to Hoof and Horn, a pagan podcast with T-Rex and Braxis Mudai, where we talk about witchcraft, paganism, music, the occult, and whatever else we want. On this episode of the Hoof and Horn podcast, we add to our Witches in the Trenches segment by speaking with Jasmine Ambrosia of Third Eye Fortunes. It was a great chat where we discussed the classes she teaches through Third Eye at Spiritual Gardens. And luckily, we get a witch tip on the three C's, keeping it clean, keeping it cleansed, and keeping it consecrated. Later, Braxis and I discuss the long put off topic of trance work and ritual from Saith to trance prophecy regression. We'll have music by Dave the Bard and Metal Horse live from Indie Pagan Pride Day 2019. I hope you enjoy it and don't forget to please follow us wherever you listen, share us with your friends, and consider supporting the Hoof and Horn for 99 cents a month. It would be really appreciated. Thanks, and see you on the other side. of May A man in black came walking into a woodland glade Following the sounds of pipes on this beautiful spring day High from the music that they made 
But what beheld him within that place? A look of recognition fell across his face. Oh, Lucifer, oh, Lucifer, why do you appear to me? For I am a man of God. Devil and father to the land. I have been here since the earth began Neither black nor white Priest, hear what I say
Hello, T-Rex. Hello, Fractus. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. I uh, got woke up by a loud clash of thunder this morning. Yeah. Like loud. This... Like shake the house, dog barking, <laughs> fucking yeah. running around, figuring out what made that sound. Yeah. How far away is the Conspire Contemporary Craft from here, do you think? Is oh. that like a half a mile? Name drop. I know. I just name dropped for nice. our friend, JD. Uh, I don't know. That's probably half a mile. Yeah. I heard it, and I figured you were sleeping, but then when it went off, I went, he was sleeping. Yeah. He's not sleeping anymore. Did it rain there in Indy? Yes, it did. It did? Yeah. So, crazy. Good times. How you been faring during the, uh, during these weird, crazy times, Braxis? Uh, I've been doing my best, playing a lot of drums. I hurt my back recently. It sucks, but, uh. It's on the mend, I think. So that's good. Yeah, and you don't ever want to go to the like. I mean, just mentally, I don't want to go to the hospital during any of this stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So I could probably be puking up blood and just being like, "I'm fine." Well, it's good. You will not get to a point where you're puking up blood, and I'm allowed that to be happening. So. <laughs> How about yourself? I'm okay. Um, you know, I sometimes have to just walk away from my social media screen and I have stopped putting on the TV because I just can't listen to most of the stuff that's out there and it gets me more upset than it's worth and you have to pace yourself I think with all of this so I have been working on my garden nice and I finally went out and visited a local place here called Hobbit Gardens and got a bunch of new plant babies, including Belladonna. What? <laughs> and Belladonna now lives on the side of the house in the shady part. She's all by herself, but since she kills things um, that you plant it near a lot of the time, she does need to be put over by herself. But I visit her on a daily basis, and she looks very happy over there. Um, I planted two more elderberry bushes, so now I have three. It's a meeting between the Europeans and the Americans. You know? I caught that. I caught that. Yeah. You caught what? <laughs> that it was the meetings between the Americans and the Europeans. It was. I have an American breed and two European breeds, so we're going to see how the Europeans and Americans get along in the elderberry world. Um, this, the bunnies are eating all my strawberries. They'll do that. And that's really annoying, but I figure I've got to give over some back to the earth, and I guess it will be my strawberries if they'll leave my lettuce and my kale alone. Let the rabbits wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I played that for the boys the other day. Oh, that's a good Yeah, they that's remembered good. it from when they were kids. Um, and yeah, so my corn is popping up, and my beans are popping up, and my herbs are popping up, and I'm happy about that. So when I get overwhelmed, I go outside, which is what everybody should be doing, especially as we have, hopefully, in this part of the world, more and more sun um, and warmth. Vitamin D. And vitamin D. Shit. Get outside. Um, and breathe the fresh air. And sit in the sun because it's good for you. But anyway, today we're going to be talking about trance stuff, but that is later... And first, we have a guest for our Witches in the Trenches segment of Welcome. the Hoof and Horn podcast. And today we are having on Jasmine Ambrosia. And I'm Hi! Gonna, Hi! I'm going to read your beautiful, beautiful um, bio so that everybody gets a little taste of what we're going to be talking about today. 
Jasmine Ambrosia is the owner of Third Eye Fortunes and a talented psychic medium and educator with a passion for community and helping others. Jasmine hosts her divination classes, including tarot, cartomancy, astrology, and palmistry at Spiritual Gardens, a metaphysical store on the southeast side of Indianapolis. She works from her home office, offering her divination services and glamour magics, as she is also a licensed cosmetologist. Jasmine works to transform her clients spiritually and physically. In the last two years, she has also created a lunar program that includes custom readings that helps align the... Uh, pause! <laughs> okay, we're just going to pause that, and I'm going to come back to it and cut it out. In the last two years, she has also created a lunar program that includes custom readings that helps those align with the phases of the moon. The program is centered around sacred espits and monthly astrocasts. This includes giving her clients a psychic forecast using tarot, oracle, and cartomancy readings to give an in-depth look at their life. Two years ago, Jasmine Ambrosia debuted her brand, Third Eye Fortunes, at Hannah Haunted Acres. She featured local artist paintings and fortune telling to provide opportunities to those wanting to showcase their skills and hard work during the psychic season. Third Eye Fortunes was a hit and has since been featured in other haunted attractions around the Indianapolis area. She has now featured other tellers at local businesses such as Tapper's Arcade Bar and Coal Yard Coffee. Jasmine is the Chuvani of the Solar Court, which is an Indianapolis-based coven centered around the sun. The Sisters of the Eclipse celebrate and host open rituals and honor the sacred solar. Jasmine likes to smoke with her black coffee and enjoys tribal belly dance and uplifting the sacred. Welcome, Jasmine. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just finished making some hibiscus syrup. Mm. It is with jasmine pearls and a little bit of lavender, not like too much because I don't necessarily want the syrup to taste like soapy. Yeah. And I've used too much lavender before and it can be a little overpowering. So I just finished making two of those. And um, a little witch tip that I have is like, you know, I save all my glass containers, of course. I think a lot of us do. But let me tell you, Jack Daniel whiskey bottles, the labels are so easy to soak off, and they make the best uh, containers for liquids. Oh, that's, that's so, a, yeah, definitely. I have some of that syrup right now cooling in those bottles. Uh, Yummy. So I'm excited to try it. Have you seen that meme that's going around recently with the with how many jars you keep? It's like, do I need, I need to keep this jar? I think it's like from The Hobbit or something like that. Lord of the Rings. You're, it's like your crow brain's telling you, like, you need it. Keep the jar. <laughs> yeah, I have a problem with that, too. I have way too many jars. Um, so I'm really glad that you're here. I definitely wanted to, when we started the podcast, I think you were one of the first people I talked to to say, for this, you know, witches in the trenches, meaning... You know, I, I love the podcast where we get to talk to an author, you know, where an author is interviewed and they talk about what they do and their new book. I think those are always really fun, but I don't find that there's many podcasts that just bring people on that are working in their community that have not written a book or have not written a book yet. And, 
you are definitely one of the people in the Indianapolis community that is in the trenches, you know, doing the work and also teaching the work. And also, you know, in the, in the, in the interwebs, because you do have a YouTube channel, which wasn't in the bio, but, you know, you can talk about that too. So maybe let's start with your classes at Third Eye, or, or at, um, was it Spiritual Gardens that you've been teaching? Yeah, so Third Eye Fortunes is just my part of the business, mm -hmm. and Third Eye is primarily a online and festival-based traveling business that is working in collaboration with our brick-and-mortar store, Spiritual Gardens. So all of everything I do is through Third Eye Fortunes, and I have a wonderful classroom at the store where I'm able to teach classes in a brick-and-mortar space. And I think having some sort of space where we can foster education and empowerment within the esoteric and the occult is really limited. And so I'm really excited that I'm able to do this from a classroom. Um, I do do it online as well for students or clients who maybe can't make the drive or don't live locally, mm -hmm. but there is really special about being able to be in an actual classroom setting with like a whiteboard and a TV projector and desks. And, um, you know, I feel honored that I'm able to, to do that and to have the space to do that and to have the means to do that. And yeah, it's really cool. Um, you know, I, th I think that when I first started to get to know you, you know, tower classes, you can find a tower class pretty much everywhere, you know, but I think tower classes are easy and accessible and you can take one online, you can take one at a shop, you know, if, or, it, 20 years ago, I took a tower class back on Long Island and it was, those were pretty common. But then I said, oh, something's going on here because here is someone that also has some other skills that not everybody else, it's not easy to find the palmistry class, a palm reading class. It's not easy to find a cardamancy class, you know, an astrology class that you're not, that you're taking in person. And so one thing that struck me as this is, let's pay attention to this, is that you are offering to teach other people how to do it. Not necessarily just, I have this skill, so come to me and like get your palm read, but here, let me spread this around. And I think that that's, you know, let's talk about why you chose to do that. You know, you're not holding those cards, you know, close to your chest there. You're sharing that. So why have you chosen to teach all these different kinds of skills? And now that you've gone, this is a two-part question, now that you've gone at least a cycle or two, right? At least two cycles in all of these things. What's the feedback yeah. been like? What's the, what have you... Have you been learning on your end that you didn't expect from teaching these kinds of things, you know? So I guess to start with first, you know, why did I decide to do this? I, first and foremost, I just really love people and I love talking and I love the occult. So it just kind of made perfect sense to kind of lump all three of these things together people talking the occult. It made sense. And I've been, working professionally in metaphysics for the past five years. And in this short five years, you know, I have learned a lot. And um, for me, divination, the occult, I would say 
kind I, I, in my family astrology um is almost just like standard table talk i mean people plan weddings around astrological events so you know there's always the question of like you know what's your background and da 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 da, da and like i think a lot of people in my family might not call themselves witches mm-hmm. but what they're doing in my opinion with divination astrology is inherently witchy you know my grandmother wouldn't sit here and say that she's a witch right. you know what i mean yeah. but she would pull from an astrological chart and look at the values of like let's say your son's getting ready to get married and you guys have picked this day out you know that was kind of my introduction to astrology or with babies being born or people dying you know um so I have a longer background in astrology, and I got into cardamancy. So palmist- astrology, cardamancy, and palmistry were kind of my first introduction. And after doing it for years and working professionally, and because I do love interacting with people and talking with people about the occult, and because, like you said, I feel like um, you can find tarot classes everywhere, sure. You know, not everyone is teaching palmistry. Also, I teach Eastern palmistry, which is not as common in the West here. So I felt like there was kind of this opportunity to give other people this knowledge that might not be as accessible in the lands that we live in. And I, I think, you know, it kind of goes back and forth with there's like the conversation of, you know, are you born one? Or do you learn to become one? Are you one, learn how to do it, or are you one naturally? Whether we're talking about a psychic, a medium, a witch. And I think that this is a controversial topic, and I think it's a topic that I feel like we all have our own opinions about. I think to some degree, people are born with gifts, whatever those gifts might be. Like, maybe you're really good at math, right? I'm terrible at math. No matter how I try to be good at math, I'm terrible at it, you know? And it's just, it's not for me. And I think divination is similar. I I think it is something that you can apply yourself to learn. And I think some of it is a gift. So I think some people inherently pick it up maybe a little bit quicker and don't have to apply themselves as much. But it doesn't mean that those other people can't still learn something. They just might have to apply themselves a little bit more. And... I wanted to get into teaching this material because I'm very passionate about this material and there's not a lot of resources, especially for in-person classes, on this material. I agree. Teach, teaching yeah. these classes now for, for about two years and having multiple cycles of these classes, because um, I'll be going on my fourth TTC now, because I try to do them about two times a year. January through August, um, you know, I have learned a lot. I have learned a lot. And I think there's also something to be said with, you know, newcomers to the path or to the spiral or to these classes. And, you know, like I said, I've been working in metaphysics professionally now for five years and I've been in metaphysics, uh, even longer than that outside of my profession. Um, but there are so many times where someone in class who is brand new to this material will point something out to me that I've never even looked at it that way. You know, so I learn stuff all the time in these classes with these students. And it's, it's a lot of fun because we have a whole little community and a little environment. You know, we have anywhere between 10 to 20 students in a class. And 
for a lot for some of these classes they're courses right so it's like over the course of five weeks six weeks and it's really amazing being able to just spend this time together and see them not only get more confident and comfortable with whatever craft or divination practice they're learning but also with their relationship to their identity of what they're doing because there's also a lot of um kind of working in metaphysics professionally not everyone classes but a good couple handfuls of people who attend the classes are already readers or are looking to become you know professional readers and I think it's nice because it helps them kind of build their confidence more finds people of like minds and then we also um once they graduate our courses and get our certification a lot of times we have opportunities for these people to start working at festivals or events or even at the store almost right away so that's really cool to be able because for me i didn't have anyone in this industry reaching their hand out to help me i didn't have anyone trying to help me or go out of their way everyone wanted to sell me a service or a product but no one wanted to actually give me any pointers. You know, when I was literally fresh out of beauty school, 18 years old, and serious about working in metaphysics, everyone saw me as this young, foolish girl, you know, who was naive and just wanted to rush into this. You know what I mean? And no one would, let me help you set up your business. Let me give you some common do's and don'ts. I didn't have anyone helping guide me. I went in this completely... I, I won't say blind, of course, but I was going into this with my eye and not my eyes. You know what I mean? I didn't have anyone showing me documents and pamphlets and talking to me about legalities of this business and how to protect ourselves. I didn't have anyone trying to teach me anything either. Right. So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the teaching part of the business, because whether or not someone chooses to work for me and my brand or they decide to start their own, that's irrelevant to me, of course, because I'm able to help people essentially help themselves in this industry because I think, and this is controversial too, but I do think that it is a very tough, competitive industry, and I really wish it wasn't like that. And um, what really changed the game for me with Third Eye Fortunes as far as festivals go is, you know, Hannah Haunted Acres starts the end of September and goes on through November. Yes. And at the time, I had always been kind of more of a one-man show. I was doing everything myself. And that experience taught me real quick <laughs> that there's a lot I can do myself. But every single day from 6 p.m. until sometimes 1 or 2 a.m., setting up and tearing down taking you know clients money keeping a catalog of who's in line doing the actual services making sure everybody gets i learned really quickly in that experience that there's plenty of room for us in this industry i mean i at our pagan pride in 2018 and hannah Hopkins acres in 2018 that really taught me that you know it's silly to be so competitive because there's so much room for all of us and not one person is fit to be the reader for every client and not one person um, can take every client just time-wise. I mean, at Pagan Pride 2018, we had a three-hour line. Yeah, crazy. And then you went and straight to Hannah Haunted Acres after that, didn't you? Yeah, 
had an eight-hour festival day that day. And You're crazy. <laughs> it was so worth it, and I loved every minute of it. But also, too, um, I think a lot of people in conversations that I've had or other interviews that I've had, you know, here I am with this brand, and I travel around to different towns and counties and sometimes even states at different festivals. And people, you know, see me traveling and doing this fortune-telling stuff with the pretty skirts on and the scarf tops and jewelry. And it's all bits and bangles and tapestries. But there's actually, and you have seen this, there's actually a lot of blood and sweat and tears and stress that goes in behind the scenes. Providing this service to someone in the tent is supposed to be an otherworldly, magical, and empowering experience. But in order for us to get to that point, honey, we earn every penny, let me tell you. I mean, it is very stressful. So that's, I think, why I'm so passionate about teaching the stuff, because I didn't really have anyone really trying to show me the way at all right. or trying to teach from their learned experiences like everything was just sacred and shrouded and if you didn't have the gift you didn't have the gift period there was no oh well let's try to teach you this and t also too when i did find classes i found there was a huge lack of representation okay Mm -hmm. like no shade but every single class is taught by a 60 to 70 year old white woman right who just you for an hour about intuition and then you leave and you've spent $35 right I yeah I think that you know having been your student right I took your palmistry class that was something that I've always wanted to learn ever since being a little girl and my mom got one of those supermarket lane you know like things from the 1970s this little tiny like pamphlet booky thing that was like 98 cents back in the 70s about reading palms you know and that was always like whoa you can do that but it was nothing I was going to pick up a book and read about I would always said to myself there'll be someone will come along one day and I'll be able to learn that directly from someone and then I was like that's gonna be that's gonna be Jasmine and your class was super fun it was um the amount that we did learn in how many classes was that five five weeks five weeks was quite amazing well put together and then also I like a class that, you know, you definitely hit a lot of the teaching styles for your classes from the visual with the whiteboard or the pictures that are in your little pamphlet, plus then interactions with the group class in between, you know, two people working together. Let's split the table. You know, I came as a guest for your tarot class once, so that was real fun to see how how you divided them up and gave them exercises. What people are getting from you for a, a very little amount you know, of money when you break it down is a lot. And so it's definitely not a, well, I took this theory in palm reading class. No, you took a class that you, if you apply and you understand it and you develop that, you can then go out there and read some palms or cast a chart, do a tarot spread. You know, it's definitely, I think people are getting a lot of, um, value for that class and knowledge and they're well put together and it's very obvious that you both know what you're teaching but also love what you're teaching I think that that definitely came across as I sat there 
you know, it's like I said, it's definitely something that is a huge passion craft of mine. And, you know, my classes do cost, right? Because they should. I'm, I'm and my material and my knowledge. I would say that comparatively, my classes are $15. Right. Or an and a half. Right. 30 minute lecture. You get class discussion. You get group work activities. There's even non-essential, non-mandatory, non-mandatory homework to keep you engaged in the material throughout the weeks, as well as pre-recorded, pre-taped lectures for you to review the lecture if you need to, mm-hmm. and also opportunities, right, after the classroom. Where yeah. do we go after this? Because a big part of learning um, is, okay, you've learned the theory, you've had a little bit of practice in a safe space in the classroom, but now we need to get you out there into the public, and it's the same thing like with doing hair as a licensed cosmetologist. I learned so much in beauty school, but I'll tell you what, my first day on an actual salon floor, I think I learned three times the amount that I did <laughs> the entire time I went to school, yeah. honestly, sure. honestly. And also another thing that I just wanted to reiterate and add back again about uh, teaching these classes is, you know, there's a lot of psychic development, spiritual development classes out there. I personally do not see a lot of classes teaching an organized system of divination. So while there are tarot classes out there, I see a lot of people teaching tarot almost more like tarot is some kind of oracle when really you have three main divinatory languages. You have Tarot de Marseille, you have the Rydermate Smith Tarot, and you have Lenormand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with divination, these are traditional languages. These are traditional esoteric languages. So... I teach, I don't just teach tarot, I teach uh, RWS tarot, Rider-Waite-Smith tarot, which is a traditional language style of tarot that we have records of this going back to the 14th century Italy, which allegedly wealthy Italian noble women were rich, right? Right. Considering the times and what was going on, I'm sure that's totally what they were doing. Um, or with palmistry, you have Eastern and Western palmistry language styles, which are similar but different. And so the, I think the beautiful thing is that if the three of us, for example, we're having a cocktail at the Applebee's, and we all pull a couple of cups, the Six of Swords, and let's say the Empress card. Those cards, according to this traditional divination system, have upright and reversed meanings that you can learn just like you can learn Spanish and it's our own intuition that is kind of the Akasha that glues all of this together sure but the two of cups is not is not at all the five of pentacles regardless of you know what your intuition might be telling you (laughs) so I in traditional divination systems is also something that at least in our Indianapolis community Another reason why I wanted to do it, because there's a lot of psychic development. There's a lot of, um, you know, spiritual awareness, meditation, psychic development, uh, spiritual development type of classes that are very just much centered around symbolism and trusting your intuition, going with the flow. I don't see a lot of programs and courses teaching traditional languages. Right. Right. So you're giving them a system to kind of anchor it in, and then you can sort of launch your intuition by keeping also within that system, right? Yeah. Mission is what's going to piece these cards together. Yeah. 
I totally get that. Um, how do people find your classes if they want to sign up, take one, follow along? So you can find the class schedule right now if you go on Facebook and you look up Third Eye Fortunes on Facebook mm -hmm. and you go events tab on the Facebook page, you will be able to find the class schedule, which I believe uh, for 2020, for this year, we have the schedule posted through August right now. Um, we do have some exciting classes and courses coming up, and I'm really excited about some of our newer material that I'm bringing into the classroom. Um, not that I don't love the standard material right. as well, but each, each year I do this, I'm going to try to incorporate at least one or two new classes or workshops to keep this fun and exciting. So right now I'm teaching the Cardamancy course, which is a five-week course. Um, after that, we have the Sigil Craft Workshop, which is a two-and-a-half-hour workshop uh, talking about the creation of sigils, more specifically within um, Chaos Magicianry, mm -hmm. right? For chaos out there. So there's many different types of sigils and ways to make them. I'm specifically teaching... Uh, more of the chaos magician theory behind sigils using words and letters and uh, consonants and um, after that we have I believe our enchanted oil event which I'm really excited for that especially for the store because uh, Jeanette the owner of spiritual gardens is debuting for the first time ever like a mixology and an oil bar at the store Ooh. where customers get custom oil blends um so i think that's really cool and so i'm going to be teaching a class on uh using oils within the craft from you know self glamour and perfumes to ritual bathing and anointing ritualistic tools um and with the purchase of that workshop uh our wonderful and talented owner and mixologist Jeanette is going to be giving you a custom oil along with the price of the workshop. So you pay for the workshop and you also get a 10 milliliter bottle custom oil blend for whatever you're wanting to do, but you take the class first and then you get to go the, to the uh, oil bar. So that's, I think that's really cool and exciting. That's so um, fun. Everybody wants like goodie bag to take home. Come on. Right. And then um, after that, we have a pendulum class and um, that'll be my first time teaching a pendulum class. And I'll be honest, it wasn't something I was really thinking about teaching, but I had a lot of people asking about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I figured I would go ahead and just like conjure up some material on the pendulum. And we're going to do it. We're going to roll with it. And we have 166 people who have already uh, expressed interest in this one class alone, and we can only accommodate up to 20, 20 students in the classroom, right? Um, so, and then after that, uh, we, I'm really excited about this Black Mirror workshop that I'm going to be hosting, which is also, workshops are two and a half hours, classes are an hour and a half. I think the Black Mirror workshop is going to just be iconic. I've been putting a lot of work into creating this, these documents and these materials because, as you know, I create digital documents that you can choose to print yourself, right? So I've been creating these documents and compiling stuff from my own personal practice and my own personal experience as well as other people who have also worked with scrying more specifically uh within the abyss of the black mirror 
And so I'm creating the content and the material for that workshop now. Um, and then also I have black mirrors, uh, four by six black mirrors that will be completely free with the purchase of a ticket to the workshop. And so not only am I going to be teaching this material of scrying within a black mirror, common do's and don'ts, uh, how to use a black mirror, how to keep it cleansed, keep it clean, keep it consecrated, how to protect yourself using black mirrors. Honey, yes, the three C's. Uh, <laughs> That's, That's what I was thinking. Keep it consecrated. Okay? Say it again. It broke up a little bit. Huh? What are the three C's? The three C's are keep it clean, keep it clean, keep it consecrated. <laughs> It cut clean, out right in the middle. Clean, cleansed, consecrated. There we go. <laughs> no, about the three sacred seas of witchcraft on my YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, what's Jasmine that? And Jasmine yeah, Ambrosia. Okay. So if you type, you'll see that. But, um, yeah, so for the for the Black Mirror workshop, um, we're going to be having an educational lecture portion of the workshop, and then we're actually going to be doing a craft-based practice in the workshop to where all the lights will be turned out, the candles will be lit, and um, as a collective, we will practice working with this black mirror for a specific intention, so that's exciting. Um, and then after that, I'm doing my second round of the TTC, the Tarot Training Course for 2020. Um, and then I have the Advanced Tarot workshop that'll be coming and then we have our seances that we do in october and then we also have our holiday seance for the yule time so so I think much going on busy 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 i know um i love a class i, I mean I, I would i would go to school i'd be like a professional student if i could afford it you know like just keep going i'm gonna get a degree in that and i'm gonna go in a degree in that so i love i think a, a, a class on all these types of things especially marrying school and witchcraft what that's amazing that's amazing play <laughs> And I've been jokingly, jokingly, this is not an official release, okay? <laughs> but I've been calling our classroom our hashtag witch school. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with uh, that in the next five years or so about maybe actually looking into that further. But I'm, I can't talk too much too much about that right now, right. but yes. So that we have an exclusive on the Huff and Horde podcast. Slytherin. Yes. Um, well, thank you. I think that, you know, I definitely wanted to, I mean, you do such a great job in, you know, social media and, and advertising your classes, but yes, uh, that, and I think that they're really popular and well-known, obviously if 166 people have already said, Hey, I'm interested in a, in a pendulum class, but the new ones sound real fun. Black mirror. I think that'll be people. And that's really different. It's really different. You know, it's, it's, that's going to be so much fun and so great. And I'm mad because I waited for that, the cardamancy class. So I was like, that'll be fun. Let me go do that. Mom likes a class. And then I missed the first one because I didn't even know it started because I didn't see it. So that's okay. I'll catch it on the next round. Um, but I appreciate you popping on here on a Saturday afternoon with us and telling us all about your classes. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about anything about um plug 
Any other, anything else you want to plug? Yeah. What's going on in your life? As far as shameless plugs, right? Uh-huh. My YouTube channel is Jasmine Ambrosia, mm-hmm. and the channel does have some lectures uploaded on it from the classroom. But I will say that my YouTube is primarily a place of self-expression and an outlet for me to just ramble about all things occult. So you will find some educational content and material on my YouTube channel in relation to my classes or to the coven, um, but. It also is just a place where I just, like, scream into the void about the occult mm-hmm. and watch it. So, um, if you're interested in any classes or contacting me, you can go to Third Eye Fortunes. Third, as in the number three, R-D. Mm-hmm. So, three R- I-E-Y-E. Fortunes, plural, honey. Yes, honey. Fortunes, because we're fortunate, okay? <laughs> Not one fortune. Multiple fortunes. Third Eye Fortunes on Facebook. Um, And the brick and mortar store is Spiritual Gardens. Once again, plural gardens, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, thanks so much for for having me on. And hopefully I'll be able to come back and we can talk about some spooky stuff. We we are. Dun, dun, dun. October. Here we come. Creepy time. Yep. All right. Thanks, Jasmine. Bye, Jasmine. I love you. Thanks for stopping in. Sometimes. Oh. I play a uh, drummer on TV. You do? What show is that? I'll watch it. <laughs> General Drummer. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be all, wait, let me look this show up. <laughs> uh, oh, is, <laughs> I was really expecting the dog to, to like, right do there. something. Yeah. She was sneaking in. She was. Well, thanks for that little intro into our second You're quite segment welcome. talking about uh, some trans prophecy up in here yeah i think so i think we talked about this topic forever we kept putting it and off we kept putting it off for other things so i feel like we can just give an overview about it something that we do within the novices families of covens should i uh play the questioning audience I think that would be, yeah, yeah, that would be good. Okay. But I also want you to talk about it because you're sure, absolutely. on that. But I've know. never been on the chair. I've, I've certainly facilitated, but I've never been on a spot. So right. asking you. So I, I would think the very first thing someone would ask is, what can I expect? Well, what is it? What even, should I be right? prepared for? Right. What is going to happen? What am I going to see when I come to this trans prophecy ritual? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think that we have to, like, I think trance is a really, it's like an umbrella term almost, you know? And then trance prophecy is one particular technique. You know, Saith is another technique. Um, Say that word again. Saith. And that is a... That is a Norse, that's a Norse terminology. Ostru might um, call that trance ritual a Saith. Okay. Um, which I can talk about, but... Sure. Um, you know, I think that as human beings, we have the ability for trance states, you know? And I think that anybody listening to this can probably recognize a trance state in a way of, you've been driving, you know how to get to this place. It's like you're driving home from work, right? Or some place that you've been often. And then all of a sudden you realize, you kind of wake up, you know, in the middle of that and realize, wait, I'm all the way, I'm all the way, I'm home already? I don't really remember, you know, how I got here. So there's like this part of our brains that is, a, it has an ability to go to a different state. You know, and I think when you break it down, it, it's different um, brain waves, you know? So we live in beta, you know, in our conscious mind, we're in that beta. When you're in, you know, when you're, yeah, it starts beta. It's like alpha is a little bit lower than beta. Yeah, when you're in alpha, this was a counting down into alpha was something that I learned early on through like Lori Cabot books. Um, Christopher Penzak has some things like that. He's learned from Lori too and developed things from there. But that's that almost dreamlike state where you're in alpha when you've driven home and you don't exactly remember how you got there. Is there one more than that? Theta? Or is Theta's in more? there and I think those are even lower. There's right. delta, okay. you know, so... It would be really smart of me to have that chart in front of me, but right, don't but have that in front of me at the moment. But I could put it. that in the show. I could put that in the show notes of the different ones because I do have that. It was like in some of the classes that I've taken on it, just to kind of see what's happening with the brain when it's in a in different wavelengths and and how that compares to trance. So, um, We, humanity has a you know a history of seeking guidance from people in trance states and speaking of trance states I've definitely felt that while playing a drum beat right play a drum beat for an hour or two solid and some weird shit's gonna happen yeah well that's a repetitive thing that you're doing and repetitive movements or motions or actions can that's that repetition that can trigger a trance state. Oh, thank you for that splash of water. Um, you know, sitting at a, at a, what are those, spinning wheel, you know, that spinning wheel when you're doing something, the old fashioned, like weaving the oh, wool right. into thread or, you know, that women will also find themselves in trance states because of that repetitive kind of housework. You know, when you're washing dishes, you know, before, when I didn't have a dishwasher, the repetitiveness of washing dishes, I would find that um, just thoughts kind of come to you. When you're driving and you're doing that repetitive, especially country driving, you know, long straight, you're not dealing with a lot of traffic, I would find if I don't have the radio on, 
I might have more thoughts. So you, you open up to things through repetitive movement or motion, and I can see how drumming would would be similar to that. Um, yeah. Shaman beat. Yeah. Right. So we definitely utilize that in trance. I think that was how when I first figured out that I had that ability was because of a lot of drums and fire and chanting and good times it's a great time who doesn't like some of that but i didn't realize what the combination of those things could do to my brain and so you know when earlier when we were talking with with jasmine about um developing a skill for divination some people are going to have a skill for trance work mm -hmm. and some people have to work to develop that to be able to do the different methods of trance and so for myself let me try to put this yeah I mean I think I was learning um, I learned about safe before this happened but it was sort of in group work other people taking the seat which I'll we'll explain what that means um, but just being part of the ritual and knowing how it worked, but not being the person that was going on the trance before this thing had happened. Um, and so I found myself in a, in a, in front of a giant bonfire, you know, the Starwood bonfire, 2002, you know, how many people are drumming at a Starwood Saturday night bonfire. There's probably about 25 people out there. Back then, it was an even bigger festival because it had been at Brushwood for so long. So I could say that there probably could have been a good 75 people drumming. Heaven. And yeah, it was heaven. And I remember just thinking something happened to me, thinking I had a conversation with, with someone named Jesus, you know? Um, and I don't want to get into that story, but it was a trance that. I went into because of those drums and because of the fire and people may have been chanting next to me and so these this combination of um, things put together opened up a doorway for me to step through it and then have that really healing experience and then coming back to you know two people standing in front of me slightly freaking out because they were trying to get my attention you know, and waving their hands in front of my face and like finally panicking enough that I heard my name, like my best friend screaming my name in my face and me thinking like, what are you doing? Why are you? I was just over here having this conversation, but I hadn't moved. And I realized that was not something that really happened. That was something that happened in a trance state. And so um, from there, it kind of took me into learning a bit more about trance work and how important that that is in ritual work and in um, coven work and witchcraft and public rituals, which is something that um, novices of the old ways has done both in New York and in Connecticut and out here. Um, the types of trance that I've learned over time, like I had stated about the, the safe work and that being a Norse um, version, a reconstructed Norse ritual. So it's not like people that are performing safe and offering that to their community are doing something exactly like, you know, 
the safe konas or the volvas um, in Scandinavia were doing back in Viking days. But it's something that's been reconstructed by Diana Paxson, um, who is an, uh, an author and a writer and a, a ritualist. I don't know if Diana is also true, but I would figure that she is. Somebody can correct me on that. Um, I didn't learn it directly from her, but I learned it through Freya Oswin, who learned it from Freya, uh, who learned it from Diana. And it was in 2001. And we were, we were, we brought Freya over to do this big, you know, lectures about the runes and, um, was going to teach the New York City community the process of a safe. And the way that it worked out was it happened just after September 11th. And so it was a really raw and intense time already in New York. I mean, everywhere, but especially there. And it was really helpful for the community, I think, to have something like that to go to, um, to have these trained people on the seat that are acting at like these sibyls and um, oracles, similar to like the ancient world, you know, your Oracle of Delphi or your Oracle of Cumae, you know, going back to the times even before Alexander the Great, this is what people, when they had big decisions to make or they were seeking advice, you'd go to the Oracle, you'd go to the Sibyl and you'd ask those things. So planning that and learning that and then having those people that were coming that had just lost, you know, people in the, in the city that had just experienced these things, it was really intense, but really kind of amazing. I didn't take the chair for that ritual but I watched it and I participated in the in the ritual as well so let me ask you a question okay if uh, you're not calling through the gods what are you calling through um, in safe work you are traveling through the gates to into Hela's realm and finding her throne to sit upon and give prophecy or oracular vision from. So I guess this is kind of where we back up a little bit and talk about trans prophecy, drawing down the moon, and then safe. So three different techniques of trance, but they're all a little bit different. I always, uh, maybe this isn't a good representation, but I always see the, uh, to bring Hollywood in for a second, the image in, I think it's uh, 300, where they consult the oracle and she's like sniffing this weird stuff from the yeah. earth and getting kind of crazy and dreamlike yeah. and out there and then talking to them basically. Don't be mad, but I didn't see 300. Oh, really? I know I, yeah, I know I need to see you it. You do, it's good. Um, I feel like I've seen parts of it, but I, I had little people at the time, so my, my, my screen viewing was limited. I got it, I'll let you borrow a soundtrack. Okay. is okay. awesome. <laughs> but yeah, if they were going to an oracle and she's, you say she's sniffing these fumes, Whereas before I talked about the fire and the drumming and the chanting, those were the tools to get into an altered 
state, right? And so utilizing the gases coming up out of the earth like an Oracle of Delphi's did, and they have proven that that is what they utilized. They were bringing through originally when the temple was under the ground, like you'd go into the cave, those oracle priestesses were speaking for Gaia, the earth itself, Gaia as a as the goddess, and then later on when the um, cult of Apollo comes and sort of takes over that area, and the, now the temple is a still not maybe not within the cave, it's taken over by the cult of Apollo, and so those priestesses were speaking for Apollo, who is an oracular deity, one of the things that he is is in his repertoire is is um, oracle work and trance. So they have they were utilizing those gases to alter states. You know, incense can alter your state. You can utilize incense in your trance work to communicate to your subconscious that this is a, a separate time, right? Where this is sacred time. Um, Same thing with like your attire. Yeah, to, to put on ritual clothing. All the little things you set out before you on the yeah. altar. Yeah, so I'm not, you know, there's ways that we, I think we have to be even careful as modern practitioners. You know, I'm not saying smoke this, sniff this, drink this, and go into a trance state. We don't have to do those things. If you have that training and ability and you know what you're doing, you could probably utilize things to get into a trance state with that. But we can also very legally and safely utilize drums and, and chanting and fire or, you know, moonlight to, you know, get into it. it. Yes, yes. So, um, we weren't bringing Hela through our bodies to talk through us in safe. We were borrowing her throne to give oracles from. In Trance Prophecy Regression, which I then learned from Janet Farah and Gavin Bone, it similar but different. In safe, we were going through those gates of the underworld and having to seek out that throne to sit on it and go from there in trans prophecy we are standing at the gates and not going in and inviting the deity to those gates and then through the seer of the seeress and so what i found in that those two different techniques is in safe we one of the roles in there very very norse very also true you know there's your guide as the person who's responsible for the person on the chair you've been a guide for me in many a time in mm -hmm. trans prophecy I've guided other people when they're on the chair. You have the person that's taking the seat, uh, man, woman, or person, right? In safe, there is a ward. That's this person that's standing behind the seer. There's wards around the room. Uh, we often would have to have a scribe as well because the things that the person on the seat was saying were very... Um, confusing and symbolic and cryptic cryptic and then experiencing trans prophecy regression where that seer is not walking through those gates and therefore walking into the collective unconscious and instead standing at the edge there and inviting deity to speak through them 
then it was a very it becomes a very back and forth conversation um, meant solely for the person that's at the seat with the with the seer asking that question and we didn't need to write down every single word or try to get it down and then figure out what they were talking about later because it was more direct so I, I you know and that's my experience with safe I'm not gonna say that that's everybody's experience with safe in the kindred that I used to belong to and that we would really work often when we were together with safe that's just what we found was happening People, other people that are safe practitioners may find something very different and have a different technique that makes it different. So that's just my experience. Um, with trans prophecy, seeking out a particular deity to bring into the ritual has, um, I feel like, there's a way to, we don't, we all pray, right? Or we all talk to the gods, make your petitions, talk to them at your altar, and there's that's important work, right? And we may hear their voice or get a sign in some way or divine and do a tower reading and they're communicating in that way, but there is nothing like standing in front of a person that is bringing through Bridget, Hecate, Odin, Bronwyn, whoever you're you're shooting for, and having a conversation with them, I think. Um, there may be groups out there that are familiar with drawing down the moon, which is a technique within Wicca itself um, that was put in there for specifically drawing down the moon goddess. And having the moon goddess enter your ritual and give prophecy blessing to speak to people. I've never been in a, none of the, the covens that I was ever in ever did a specific drawing down the moon. Um, those that do practice within Wicca may be very familiar with the charge of the goddess. And so in my very first abusive coven, you know, drawing down the moon meant the high priestess was going to stand up, whatever she did, and then read the charge of the goddess, which is a beautiful piece of poetry written by Doreen Valiente. Right, but isn't that supposed to be used if the, the goddess doesn't come through? <laughs> yes. Yes. So basically the goddess never came through when she no, was up there. No, absolutely not. There was no training there. Right. You know, you don't just crown yourself a high priestess and... And then repeat this. And then... Right. Freezing. Well, and I think that because there was no actual training there, she didn't know that there was supposed to be something else. Mm. And so therefore neither did we. You know? Sometimes the goddess in into it, right? She's not available right now. You got a busy signal on the phone. So then let's recite this beautiful poem and see what we need to take from that. Right? There's nothing to say that you can't utilize it. That's a great tool to use. But it's a tool if she doesn't show up in the drawing down the moon process. Do you think that had anything to do with the way this lady conducted herself in the, you know, with, in the coven towards mm -hmm. you guys? and if What had to do? Like, what do you that mean? the goddess never connected with her. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. You can't um, abuse a position, abuse power, 
um, and abuse people and think that that's not going to come back and bite you in the ass. And unfortunately, in many, many ways, it did. Um, when I got out of there, I got out of there. And I stayed far, far away from it. But of course, you hear things. Pagan communities are, are small. Um, and I did, you know, reconnect with her at one time right around my ordination. Because something that um, Gavin had once said to me was that before he uh, took an initiation, he went back and thanked every person that was on his path. And so there's many people on my path that I could thank, but even thanking the people that wronged you because you learned something from them. How not to be. Right. And that's exactly everything that she taught me was what I didn't want to be if I was ever in her position. And so we had, we had, did have like a, you know, Facebook conversation, messenger conversation. And I'm, I'm glad that I did. And I'm glad that before she left this planet, she did in a very horrible way. It's okay, Zoe. Relax, kid. Um, well, I'm never going to forgive that kind of treatment. You know, I can move past that kind of treatment. So, um, yeah, that might be the reason why the goddess never came through there. You weren't going to get through that thick skull. <laughs> um, but that's really the only... I've never really... Well, I guess we've both seen someone fake it. Which oh, we yeah. can totally, you know, get through. So, then with trans prophecy, um, you may take the journey to that underworld. It requires training and it requires work. Um, I think in all the, the years that I have tried to teach it to people because, you know, it's, I think it's fitting really well with what we just talked to Jasmine. I want other people to know how to do this. I want people in our coven to know how to do this and be trained to do it. I've done this in prisons with both my groups and also, you know, attempted to walk those people down so that they realize that they have this ability too. And I never want it to be like the tea show, that I'm the only person that knows how to do this and I'm going to keep this, you know, this technique I can only do it and you guys can't. I want everybody to be able sure, to do that. there's been many rituals where you weren't up there and yeah, others were. Yeah, right, because I want it. I want to keep my ego in check because I'm not going to be like like that person mm -hmm. that I was around and also to give other people a skill. And I also want to be able to go up and ask questions too. I don't want to always be in service in that way. Um, so some people have been able to naturally make it down there without much training so you know one particular guy i'm thinking of many years ago in the prison i knew he was going to be able to make it some you, other guys when you say make it down there you mean to the gates to the gates right the underworld yeah, yeah making okay. it through that 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 journey that you have to be able to get through to those gates to open those gates and invite that deity through it's a process um and it's not to say like, oh, you can't do it or you didn't get through that, so therefore you can't do this. Anyone that's ever had a problem when I've tried to walk them down, just keep working at whatever it is you're working at in your spiritual life, whether you're learning your magic, because eventually you may be able to kind of to kind of get down there and do it when it's time for you to do it. There's safety mechanisms built into it so that people aren't getting hurt, you know? 
Yeah, let's talk about, you had mentioned, I wanted to get back at this, mm. didn't know how safety measures might be a good way. Um, you had mentioned the term wards, and maybe you could explain what that yeah. means. Yeah. Um, the wards in a safe ritual were kind of there to protect the space. Um, and how did to they do that? You know, what? I guess what they were doing was watching the energy flow, um, any outside influences coming into the space, you know, just think like acting like Vikings, you know, like being very protective of the space, anchoring the space, um, protecting the people. If anybody was, was going to have, if any attendant of that ritual begins to have a hard time, then there would be someone who could then go and help that person then ground out. Like when that lady passed out at the one we were Yes, yeah, so yeah. big Pagan Pride Day. There's a hundred and something people in that circle. When she took a header, if I'm running the ritual, I need somebody else to be a grounder and go help her so that the whole ritual doesn't get diverted, but we're not also not ignoring that somebody just had a heat stroke and fell over. Or if somebody is being has a really emotional moment up at the when they go to the chair and are having that conversation. Which has happened just about every single... Right. Somebody's cried at every single one of those. Right. Somebody's always going to cry, sure. you know, or multiple people are going to have a moment. There should be, like, maybe one grounder. You don't need 17 people on top of that person, which, you know, we learned early on in, in New York, like, okay, we don't need six people just because one person's crying. Maybe one grounder. There's three grounders in a ritual, one-on-one. One on one. You don't have to make, like, a production out of that. Um... So that's what the warders were doing. Um, also, you know, having a ward that's going to make sure that people aren't, that are naturally inclined to trance states aren't going into that trance state. The only person that's crossing the bridge to those gates should be the person taking the chair. Not everybody else should really kind of be going and then someone else is in trance and someone else is in trance. Like everybody has to, to keep their their place and if somebody does have a moment where they're doing it then you have a ward or somebody else planted in your ritual as a grounder is what I would call them in trans prophecy to go and help those people reground and get a hold of themselves um, yeah okay so let's go to uh, an audience question What's it feel like when you're on the seat? Um, I mean, it, maybe yeah. I should say sounds like or no. What, a feeling. Like. A feeling is a feeling is a a good question. I think each time it can be different. Sometimes it feels like um, you're falling Ooh. or spinning. You know, I used to know, like, okay, here we go. It's like the spinning sensation. Um, and I think what that is, is the energy of that particular deity that's stepping into the energy field, auric body of the person on the chair and aligning their certain chakra points that deities do have and we have. They don't have those physical ones on a physical body, but they have, a, you know, certain chakra points like their crown, the, the third eye, the, the throat chakra, right? The etheric chakra. And aligning that with the person on the chair. And then the sensation then can be different from there. You know, I've had 
deities come through that are kind of angry. I've had deities come through, then you feel kind of like excitement, uh, sad. And so you then start to feel emotions that may not particularly belong to you and belong to them. Um, and it's sort of, I think for everybody it may be different. Um, some people may not remember anything, you know, that have the ability to get into such a deep trance state that they are completely checked out and the deity is driving that car completely. Um, for me, I think it hovers in between that I know I can hear the things that are sort of coming out of my mouth. They're not coming from me and I'm sort of stepping aside to just let whatever needs to be said be said and not, I just get out of the way, right? You just gotta get out of the way and let them kind of do it. Um, yeah, the phrase, uh, turn around and let them in. Yeah, yeah. And I, the first time I ever took the chair for safe, I was the biggest baby that day. Imagine me throwing like a, a three-hour pout tantrum because I was really scared. And I didn't believe that I would be able to do something like now, that. What's the what's the tantrum about that you? That I just was like, I don't want to do it. Somebody I'm said gonna, in three hours you're going to have to get it. up there. Yeah, okay. like we had gone on retreat and we're going to do. You're going to not be the guide and you like take the chair kind of thing. It was pushing me to like, you should do it. You should do this. Right. And I just thought I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm the guide. I'm not going to be able to do that. Blah, blah, it was blah. like motor mouth when I really kind of figured out I just have to get out of the way and you're not like really you're not doing it all you are doing is saying I volunteer my body and my ability to speak to you to have a conversation with the people that are are needing guidance and wisdom and want to have that have that talk back and forth with this deity that we are bringing through. Um, and I think that, I mean, maybe that's a better question for you, you know? So I've been on the chair and been the guide and seen those kinds of things that happen. The first time that you saw something like that, what's the, you know, how did you, especially as somebody who is and I don't mean this insultingly, but more skeptical and questioning, which is a good thing to be skepti skeptical and questioning of some mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So what do you, like, what's your experience of going up to the chair and asking things or being the guide? The first time you saw it, like, what did you think? Like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> well, I, I really liked it because it was just very... Uh something I hadn't seen before very mm -hmm. new a, a, a lady sitting up there with a veil over her face sitting right in front of you 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 know reading off this guided meditation basically and then going into the drums and hard not to get in that kind of same trance state when you're doing that oh sure right? um, so that was all cool I really liked all how that made the me feel the ritual of it yeah the weirdness of it I mean you gotta admit if you haven't been to that it's it's kind of a weird deal um yeah I'm always concerned when it's your first ritual and we happen to be doing trans prophecy yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you're definitely gonna. If you can do that one, then you can probably do all the others. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that just because it was something that I had not seen before ever, I was super excited about it and willing to do it whenever. And I feel like, you know, for somebody who is kind of skeptical, I felt like the more opportunities for it to happen and me and be involved in it and you know I can try to find those little points of evidence to myself you know we all got that little thing in you that well I need to see this before that or or not see this or this mm -hmm. was enough you know it's all on a scale of how much you believe or question or or whatever and it's one way isn't righter than the other I guess um but I forgot what I was saying earlier. Like what you kind of, what you, your just experience was what I, you know, wanted to know, like how it had it. I think when we, uh, when we had the lady who was super fake, mm. that was definitely a kind of a reminder of what I had seen, although not anything like, oh my God, there's a guy, I see a goddess behind them, you know, with their hands in their head or, or whatever you want to say, or profoundly, you know, it was a while before I even went up and asked questions. I was right. just, you know, glad to be a part of it and the weirdness of it, really. And um, you could definitely tell, because it was you most of the time, when you were under the veil, that there's definitely a different demeanor going on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but the one time was the fake lady, yeah. and it just hit me of, of how fake that was compared to what, what we do that right, exactly. actually is a really great point you know there wasn't yeah. a giant there's never been i've uh, never seen anybody who's actually done it or i felt like was actually doing it have an ego about the idea of it you know it's mm -hmm. always been i mean we're all there to listen and of course we're going to shut our mouths to hear what they have to say and everything but i've never seen anybody just go so overboard with look at me and what I can do and yeah. probably not really do at all and just yeah. wanted to make a giant spectacle That was absolutely herself. her. I mean, I um, guess to give it, my friend's like, what happened? What happened? It was weird. So we did a, we, I did a trans-prophecy workshop at Starwood one year and then pulled people from that workshop to help us do the ritual because it was just you, myself, and one other person from our coven, and you kind of do need a team to get something like that done. And our coven mate got sick right before it happened, so we lost her. Um, we had another woman there that was familiar with trance, and somehow I knew her, or we got to know each other through this experience. So the woman who was gonna take the chair I had a conversation with the day before and she went on and on about bone woman and she does all this kinds of stuff with bone woman and I'll uh, great let, tell me about your experience but we're gonna make this agreement that we're not bringing bone woman through we've put in the in the brochure and in the plant that we're shooting for Hecate right we're shooting for Hecate so you're gonna that's who we're gonna ask to come through and once that veil went over her head and she started her show, that is not my goddess. Right. I have seen other people bring her through. I have brought her through. What are you doing? You just, you're doing now, in this ritual with 50 people here, 
There was a lot of people there. There was a lot of people there, and you were drumming. It was just me. Up there. Uh, Yes, like, I'm the guy. (laughs) I thought I was going to see you tackle this lady. I had to, because she was on the ground writhing and... And yelling at the person. Yes, and she said, she was like, somebody better take her away or I'm going to hit her. Like, if you are going to put your hands on. So I just kind of tackled this lady. You know, like, like you, okay, we're done. And something made me look over my shoulder. Once I got the veil off this woman, I was like, you are done. You are off the chair. You go take care of yourself over there, kind of thing. I turned, and it was Lisa that I just looked, and she we both looked at each other at the same time and she was down in front of this one guy talking to him and she hadn't been over there before. She just naturally moved into like this ward grounder position. And she waved over to me like, you need to come here. And I went over there and you were still drumming, right? And people are kind of like, what's happening? I know, dude. What's I didn't happening? know whether I should stop no, or not. No, you were supposed cause... to keep drumming, keep drumming. And I knelt down next to her. I was like, what's going on? And she was just like, she just pointed at this this gentleman sitting there, and I looked at him, and he was vibrating, and his eyes were all watery, and I was like, "What's happening?" And he had a wolf pendant around his neck, and he just he had a staff in his hand, and he took he just turned the pendant over, and it had the wheel uh, Hakate's wheel on it. And I was like, "Oh," so Hecate showed up. But this egomaniac, who was supposed to be that vessel for her, was too busy with Bone Woman show. And Hecate was like, looked around, the, I think she just looked around the place, like, okay, we know each other, and jumped in over there. And so I realized, this is the person that I have to bring over onto the chair and let Hecate have, the, like, really, these rituals are wind it up and let it go, because the gods take over from there. It actually turned out really good. It really did. Too. It really did. You've got that, and I, now, obviously I didn't train this person. This person didn't have trans-prophecy regression training, but had that natural ability, which the goddess there then recognized, and wanted to be present for the people that did have legitimate concerns and questions to be able to go up there and, and have that moment. When we do this work, the drums that you provide or anyone else that's there with you and the chanting helps as is multifaceted it helps the the people in attendance not to be bored if it's not their turn up at the right at the seat with the person but also is carrying the energy and supplying it's like a battery i feel for the person on the chair because the drums the Mm -hmm. chanting it carries it, like I said, with the drums and chanting at Starwood, and I was able to step through that door, it allows that person on the chair to have a battery and the gods to have that battery of energy to keep present. And then also gives a cover for the person having that conversation with that deity because you don't. Nobody wants to nobody, ask personal right. questions. In These are serious people. personal questions that they're bringing and feeling safe enough to bring up there. The entire ritual attendance does not need to hear that question or that answer. So it's private between you and the, and the deity. And I think adds a element of sacredness to it. Um, that's really helpful. Indeed. Let yeah. me ask you 
Another audience question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. What should I ask? Oh, yeah. We always get that question, right? Yeah. What should I ask? I think it's similar to what would you go get a tarot or um, an oracle reading on? I definitely wouldn't ask stupid questions. And like, whether well, that no question is stupid, but testing the deity or the person on the chair is not going to get you far. You know, so questions about your spiritual path, your direction. If you have, I mean, relationship questions are always okay. Questions that you don't know the guidance for your job, problems with your children, things with your family, but not like, you know, trying to, don't attempt to try to trick the person on the chair or the gods or ask, you know, why is humanity on the planet? I mean, maybe, maybe. That could be a question that you would ask, but I think we're both we're both sitting here thinking about that last in bulk ritual, where we had a very upset goddess mm-hmm. and people that asked yeah. questions that were just enough to set her off into a screaming fit. I can't speak for what happened exactly, but. I'm not sure is it's so much the question as it is once you get the answer of pestering it yeah. them until the, I mean that's like doing the tarot deck until it finally tells you what you've already biasly wanted right, right? I need right. The, I want this lover in my life I oh that didn't work so an hour later cards. let's do it again right. oh let's do it again let's do it again because you just won't accept the idea the because you're so yeah and yeah. I don't think that's the place in a sacred ritual like that I feel like that's not the place to do that you take the answer and whatever that answer is doesn't mean you can't ask more questions you know what I mean surely people have asked more than one question when they're up there but trying to you know circumvent the answer to get the answer you want just does not work out and it just kind of gums up and frustrates I think the energy and everything that's going on there and being respectful of the process I think Whatever the seer says to you... Shush it. Be quiet, though. (laughs) Whatever the seer says to you is something that you got to take home and process. Yeah. You know, it might not make sense to you there. Or, most importantly, it might not be something that you wanted to hear. Yeah. You know? But then when you take it home and process it over the next few weeks, have some dreams about it, do your own workings, some of those things, I think, will come to light. Yeah. We definitely had a lot of people arguing their case, you know, at the at the foot of that particular deity in bulk. We we brought it through Bridget, um, and I can even put the blog post on the website. You know, that I kind of explained all of that and what happened and why it was so um, difficult. It was really difficult. I mean, we we called upon Bridget the night Brexit went into effect. Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. We either. and weird, weirdly, I mentioned it to you in the car on the way there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we had that experience. She wasn't having it. She wasn't having it. And so you can, you know, I feel like you can ring up the gods in trance prophecy. But if you're not going to listen to what they say... Yeah, if you're not going to listen to what they say... And you'll... These are like... These are living entities. And so sometimes they're not in the best mood. And they happen to answer the phone. You know? I also look at it like... 
if you were on a desert island and you had a cell phone, but really bad service, and then the phone rings and you were able to connect that call, you are gonna start motor mouthing everything that you have to say. So if, you know, this has been almost 20 years from either safe work and then trance work and learning it from them, sometimes they are flipping out about environmental, global environmental things. And so you're a group of 20 people, 100 people, sitting there and hearing about how you guys are just, we are, you're destroying the earth. Like in Michigan, Hecate went crazy over oh, yeah. the bees. It's hard to take too. It's hard. It's, I mean, you realize in your own mind that you, or at least me, you know, I'm thinking of all the things that I try to do, you know, recycle mm-hmm. and all that stuff to, to make a, a less of a carbon footprint. But hearing them, you know, I mean, it's like being disciplined by a, yeah. a parent, parental yeah. figure. Yeah. Man. And so it's kind of like you are listening for the world. You know, like you might not be able to go prevent colony collapse, but you are a representative of humanity within that ritual. And here's a representative from the divine. And so you're just going to have like, you got to take it. You got to listen to that. You have to listen to it. And I feel like don't know the gods that you are seeking to have uh, an interface with. Wait, say that again. Know them. Like know who you're calling. Know their stories. Know their myths. Do your homework. Right. You know? We brought through Apollo. You don't just call up a stranger. Right. You don't just ring up a stranger and expect them to be like, yeah, what's up? Yeah, sure. I'll be down there with 20 bucks. No problem. You know? So why would you expect that of the gods? And I learned that lesson, right? Without you, without a guide, like I'll be able to handle this, right? And as I feel Apollo start to come into that space and feel the rage that was coming behind that, and in a moment I'm going, do I step out of the way? Do I just, do I stop this? Do I, I'm not going to say no to Apollo. Okay, get ready. And I just felt that snarl come across my face. And he went, he laid us out. But in a very, I guess it was kind of a loving way. And I think for that one, I kind of, re, I remained a bit present because I, how could I not, you know, but he was very upset that we were just like, it's the summer solstice. That's, yeah, let's call on the, the sun god, Apollo. Great. And then not do our homework and not study those myths. And not, he was very upset that we didn't spend time learning about his sister. Sure. How dare you? Don't do this kind of thing again. Was still willing enough, and I mean it by loving, that he stuck around to answer questions for them individually while they sat there and chanted. But, I mean... We talked about that after Imbolc because Ray was there. Ray was present that day when Apollo came through and Ray was present when, when Bridget was screaming at everybody, you know? So sometimes you just have to take it and learn that lesson um, that's not always easy to learn. And then there's other times where it's completely beautiful and healing and, and, and loving, um, but definitely do your homework on who they are. The next following year we did like those those ladies did their homework and when they brought him through and started to tell him his stories that was how does it feel to be on the chair i felt like my body was levitating like the vibration of noise he liked to hear about himself you know (laughs) you know kind of was very pleasing i think to them and then 
you know, what does it feel like to let go? And when they, you know, when you disembark from the mothership, sometimes can be very unsettling and upsetting. It's a weird feeling to kind of come back in that space and be like, okay, now I'm done with this. I don't like people looking at me anyway. Right. But I do jobs where people have to look at me. And so it's very important for the, I think, our ritual team to have people in there that then take the ritual and continue it and then give that seer their privacy, um, their food and water to ground their physical body um, and privacy to sort of resettle. And I, sometimes it's very upsetting, I feel like, because you have connected to source. And sometimes when you're on the, that chair, if you kind of come in to yourself and you're and you know what you're doing it, and you kind of I always have that panicky moment of, is this bullshit? Am I making this up? Am I, am I really? Is that my really? And then somebody starts to ask questions, and so I go away again. When they leave, you really do know like there that was something was happening, and then you have this longing for like your mother or something or somebody that has a bad relationship to their mother be like no I don't but I think you've cried just about every time almost almost it's a really upsetting kind of feeling because you want them back you know you want them they're like holding you you and then that's the moment kind of when you realize oh this was real so then you kind of want to grab onto that thing again and enjoy the realness yeah yeah Uh, the other thing I was just was going to say is if you go to the, a ritual, a trans prophecy ritual, and you don't have a question, go. I recommend going up there and thanking the deity for showing up. And then maybe in that um, context, something might be said that means something to you. Or, and if not, that's okay. You've shown your gratitude for at least, you know, this deity showing up. I think it's so. I mean, usually when I didn't go up there, it's because I was drumming or you right. know, doing something in the ritual, and not everybody's going to make it up there. But it's also very weird when you do it, and then the people in the coven are busy with parts in it, and there's, you know, you're kind of looking for somebody to walk up there and ask a question. Like, here they yeah. are, they've showed up, yeah. and now no, everybody's just standing here with their, you know, thumbs yeah. up their butts. Yeah. So if you go to one, I, I would recommend if Go it doesn't up mean there. yeah you don't have to have a question just show some gratitude yeah. and thankfulness and often I've done that because I didn't have a question and something was said out of that that helped me a little bit down the road so. yeah I do recall a, um, it's like calling somebody up and then just not saying anything exactly you don't just terrible. call anybody and then sit there and watch TV right. like if you go and yes I think that's great if you don't know maybe you can even say, "Do you have a message for me?" Right. You know, they then they and they very well they they might. I recall a ritual. I think it was it was Harvest Home Gathering, maybe two thousand nine, eight, something like that. Maybe even earlier than that. Um, and there were three of us, uh, and I brought through Freya for that ritual, and. No one. I, was I first? I may have been. I don't remember. I think I was, because no one came up there 
and you know that was a ritual uh it's a rather smallish festival the harvest home at least was then and i brought through fire because i didn't particularly have a goddess that i was dedicated to at the time um was pre-hecate days and both Janet and Gavin were priests and priestesses of Freya, so I was like, okay, then I'll, I'll do that. And I had done that with them before. So, okay, let's do that. And I remember the thought coming through my head and being like, I am not going to be able to stop this thought coming out of my mouth. And she just yelled out, I am not here to tap dance for you. And it was sort of like, people were like, oh, okay. And because like, I think sometimes people don't know how to approach. And so we usually seed a ritual with a coven member to be the first person. Show people, set that example, to go up there and show them what they actually do, right? And good. put that person that I call like the flight attendant. That is, okay, you, then you, and then you, then you, and then you, and like keep the flow going so that they don't get mad because it really is like, okay, I'm here. You're all gonna sit there and stare at me? Right. Don't do that. Don't bring them in if you're not going to utilize that time. Right. They have other things to do. Oh, show. Oh, show. Well, I was trying to think of uh, some other question <clears throat> about being an audience member, but I think that might be all the ones that yeah. I've got. Do the chants, you know, move and dance the drums if you, you know, you want to. Take a break from singing if you need to, but it's definitely not like... Let's stand over here and talk. You know. Yeah, that definitely. Yeah, that definitely Be breaks the of that energy of all that stuff. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you can't have. I mean, some of my favorite times are trans prophecy because I get to play drums the entire time. But um, so, it, but it's kind of depressing when you're doing that and you see certain people that are just kind of sitting there and waiting for it to be over. I haven't right. didn't even want to ask a question. They right. just. I mean, I get observing and all that, but, you know, you could be in this part with us playing drums. And right. You can stand there and clap your hands and get right. into the music. Right. This Keeping isn't church. You know, not to speak badly. Of the this isn't church where you just right. go and sit in the pew and listen to it and then go home. Right. Like, these are participatory rituals, and you have a job to do in a trance ritual. Even right. if you aren't the guide and you aren't on the seat and you're not the, the chant leader, your energy is expected. It's not a fucking performance. Right. You, we're not here, they're we're not, not here, here to, to tap dance for you, right. right? No one's here right. to entertain you. Be a part of the thing. Right. And it may be long. You know, those rituals tend to be a little bit longer mm -hmm. because, you know... Everybody's asking questions. Right. And, and it's the, the job of the guide to make sure the person on the chair is okay to keep going. And that person's health and safety is foremost, even if, you know, Odin wants a second horn of mead nice. don't give the woman on the chair that second horn of mead because she can barely handle <laughs> one glass of wine <laughs> you know what saying hi <laughs> so the health and safety of that person so if we have to end it sooner than the gods are ready to well next time yeah and I would say if you go up there and ask a question just be aware of there are that many people here who right. all want to ask questions. Right. And, I mean, definitely ask them, but just be conscious of your time that you're up there. Right. Go to the bathroom before ritual and have a snack. <laughs> okay.
because <laughs> we might be there for a while. It's going to be a long one. It seems to go quicker, though, honestly, if you get fully involved in it. Mm-hmm. If you just sit there and observe, it seems like it does, you know, it, it just takes longer. But right. if you're fully in it, keeping the energy going, asking questions. Right. You uh, get into that, your own kind of version of that trance of the energy, right? Mm-hmm. And doing it and, oh, wow, an hour just went by? Cool. We could be going all night like a like a voodoo temple, and we're not, so relax. So those are our tips and tricks to have a good time at a treasure house. <laughs> right, right, right. And for those in the indie area, I always put out there what it is going to be. So if that's not something you want to be a part of, yeah. don't attend. If it is something you want to be a part of, you are more than welcome to be present. Yay. Yay. So now we're going to play another song on the way out? Sounds good. All right. Bye. See ya. And anybody that wants to, like, has questions or... Before I say totally say bye, mm. we have an email address. Do hoof. we? Yeah, we do. What hoof. is it? It's hoof.horn.podcast at gmail.com. Nice. And we also have an Instagram. And we have the Facebook. And the so Facebook. The Facebook and the Instagram. The Butt Magazine. Yes, Butt Magazine. (laughs) (laughs) You're Uh, more than welcome to leave us some questions or comments on there because some parts of this feels like screaming into the void. um, Yeah, and I I feel like maybe I'm missing an an obvious question that someone else would have. Yeah. We tried. We did. Mm -hmm. The end. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Be sure to check the show notes for contact information for Jasmine at Third Eye Fortunes and email us at hoof.horn.podcast at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or requests for show topics. Again, please follow and share. And now, here's Metal Horse.
Becomes the horse! <laughs>